It's electric. Boogie woogie woogie. Frustrated with your pain or injury? That sucks. But I'm here to help. Hi, my name is Denise Deshutler, and I'm a body worker and educator. Why is it so hard to find the care we need to feel better? Most of my clients have asked that question for years until we started working together. Now I'm going to help you find those answers. I'll explore different health disciplines and chat with talented practitioners. We'll share our insights and practical advice to help you get the results you need to feel good again. Because seeking the right care for your health can be a pain in the arse. But with me, your wellness journey will turn into a fun-filled adventure. Buckle up, baby, for the Passionate Health Advocate Show. Welcome, listeners, and thanks for joining. I'm happy you're here. Today, we are going to a place that uses the electrical part of your brain to improve cognitive function and also help you feel better. Let's buckle up. Welcome to the land of neurotechnology. We are searching for Toby Passman. He is a neurophysiology researcher and founder of Roscoe's Wetsuits Neuro, an applied neuroscience company utilizing neurotechnology to help people improve brain health and reach peak cognitive performance. Is that you? That is. Thanks so much for having me on the show today, Denise. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much for reaching out to me and inviting us to this land. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a cool land to explore. Yes. And that is exactly why we're here. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, neuroscience. And so I'm excited to learn more about neurotechnology. And I'm sure our listeners are just like, what the heck is this? And how can it help me? So would you like to tell us a bit about neurotechnology and exactly what that is? Yeah. So, so neurotechnology definitely encompasses quite, quite a lot, you know, anything from the, some of the technologies I use all the way to, you know, machine learning and, and AI and what Elon Musk is doing with trying to implant chips into people's brains and all that kind of crazy stuff. But basically what I, uh, the role I play kind of in neurotechnology is utilizing uh, certain technology technologies such as QEEG brain mapping, which is basically an electrical study of a person's brain activity. So we can see and assess the different uh, electrical frequencies that the brain operates on. So the, the brain runs both on chemicals along with electricity. The chemicals are kind of more talked about with, you know, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, all those are really important, crucial neurotransmitters, but what's less talked about kind of in, in the popular media, I would say is, is the electrical side of things. So that's where most of my focus is because it's a lot easier to assess the electrical activity of a person's brain compared to the chemical side of things. So there's a technology called the, the EEG, which is short for an electroencephalogram, which is kind of a mouthful. So they just shorten it to, to EEG and that technology is, is basically a, a swim cap looking device uh, that goes on someone's head and is measuring the electrical activity that basically emanates from the brain up to the scalp. And we're able to record it at a bunch of different electrode sites uh, all along that, that cap that's on someone's head. So that's sort of where we start out um, in terms of doing an assessment so we can see uh, is a person producing healthy amounts of the different brain waves? Are they deficient in a certain brain wave? Are they producing too much of a certain brain wave? And it also tells us where exactly that deficiency or uh, excess is actually occurring in the brain. So that's kind of the core assessment technology that that I employ. And then based on that, we can sort of guide a person's brain into producing healthier, uh, healthier electrical frequencies with technologies such as neurofeedback, uh, neurostimulation, audiovisual entrainment, photobiomodulation, all ones that, that people may have heard of, may not have heard of. Um, neurofeedback is probably the, well, 
most well known out of all those, which is basically where you're you're playing sort of a, a a video game with your mind. And I'll explain what I mean by that is you basically have one of these EEG caps on your head. So we're measuring the electrical activity of your brain. And then we're actually training your brain to produce more or less of a certain frequency. So for instance, if we're training your brain to produce more beta brain waves, which are really essential for focus, uh, cognitive processing, kind of just uh, energy, it's one of the, the fastest brain waves that we talk about. So say we're training someone to increase their beta wave production, you might see the screen get larger or the audio tones, if it's audio feedback, the audio would get louder as your brain produces more beta brain waves. Now, if you start daydreaming and mind wandering, that usually sinks you into a slower alpha frequency. And then in that case, if we're still rewarding beta, you're going to hear the tones get quieter or the, the screen gets smaller. Hence sort of the negative feedback where we're telling your brain, nope, nope, you know, go back to what you were doing to, to increase the size of the screen or to get louder tones. Uh, so it's hence the, the feedback component for telling your brain exactly when it's doing a good job versus when it needs to, to alter its course a bit. So those are a couple of the, the main neurotechnologies I work with. Very cool. Okay. Um, that was a lot of information, but we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, what you, how you apply that with people um, kind of like on a case by case basis. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm like, Oh, I have so many questions already, but uh, before I dive into that um, I know that you have a psychology background. So what made you go into the technology part versus just more of you know, the mental aspect, or even like you were talking about the chemical, you know, if you're going to be a psychiatrist, prescribe like different chemicals to help. So what, you know, as you went into psychology, because for me, it's like, I have a, a minor in psychology years ago. And so it was such a different world. And so I'm curious, what brought you to this path with all this technology with neuro? So it really started with a biopsychology course that I took. Well, I was, I was still a business major. Um, I, I didn't know what I really wanted to do in undergraduate and started out studying business, but got quickly pretty, pretty bored and disillusioned with those hour and 50 minute lectures and realized I was not going to be able to do that for the next four years. So I ended up taking some different classes in different fields and it was really this biopsychology class that, that was so fascinating to me learning the biological basis of how the brain works on an electrical and chemical level. So with interest, with that interest from that class, uh, one of the technologies that was, that was discussed was the EEG, the electroencephalogram. And I found out that there were actually research labs at my university that utilized EEGs. So I became a research assistant in one of those labs and learned how to collect the data, artifact the data, which is basically where you're kind of selecting which is good brain data and which is uh, kind of artifactual fake, fake data. So I became really intrigued by, by what I was doing in that lab, but I thought it was super cool stuff, but I was like, you know, we're assessing what the brain is doing with this EEG with collecting this information, but it's like, are we able to actually like do anything actionable to actually improve and alter the EEG? And that's when I found out about all of these neurotechnologies, such as neurofeedback or neurostimulation that actually work to, to alter and improve the electrical activity of the brain. So that I, I kind of felt like was, was something unique and something that, that really drew me in because you could actually see it in real time as someone is getting an EEG done. You can actually see millisecond by millisecond what is going on with the, the electrical rhythms of their brain basically shows up as, as these little squiggly lines um, that is measuring the electrical waves that the brain produces. So I, I thought, you know, it was just such a, such a cool uh, 
technology and I wanted to figure out, you know, is there a way, you know, when we see abnormal or, or dysregulation in the EEG, are there, is there a way that we can actually improve it? And what I ended up discovering as I started working at some places outside of college that yes, there, there absolutely is, there are ways to enhance the EEG activity with these different neurotechnologies. Oh, that's so cool. So, okay. So then you're like, okay, now I can actually apply this. So once you realize you can make this more of a tangible thing in the real world, what path are you going with that? How are you uh, working with this to help people? Like, do you have a certain type of person that you're like, this is who I want to work with? Or, um, oh, I know I can help these issues with somebody. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So there's such a diverse array of applications with this technology. Like right after college, I started working at a peak performance facility outside of Seattle, where we trained the brains of a lot of like Hollywood actors, uh, high level CEOs, pro athletes. Uh, So I I got to witness all of that, which was super cool. Um, But then the next job I took was actually at a substance abuse and mental health treatment facility in South Florida, uh, utilizing the same neurotechnology to treat uh, addictions, uh, people coming off um, recreational drugs or alcohol, along with oftentimes comorbid uh, mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, OCD, PTSD. So I saw kind of these same technologies being applied in in vastly different uh, spaces and saw people in each of those spaces receive lots of benefits. The direction I chose to go with my own company now with Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro is more so the peak performance and wellness space, um, because I'll just preface by saying I, I am not a licensed psychologist, meaning I can't claim to treat that I'm using these technologies to treat a specific psychiatric or neurological condition, even though a lot of these technologies have very good clinical peer reviewed research saying that they do help a lot of these different conditions. I just have to use certain terminology, like instead of, you know, treating your depression, we're improving your mood or instead of treating your anxiety, we're reducing your stress. So it becomes kind of just a, an issue of semantics, but yeah, I, I definitely gravitated a bit more towards like, despite the fact that it's, it's really interesting, you know, utilizing this for kind of, you know, mental, uh, kind of mental health treatment and people struggling with addictions. I thought, you know, it's, it's, there's so many applications for like the health and wellness industry, uh, where, you know, I think this technology can really benefit a lot of, a lot of people, um, a lot of the same people that, you know, go to, go to high-end yoga studios and shop for organic foods and go to cryotherapy people that, that really are paying attention to their physical health. I feel like honestly, mental health or, or brain health is kind of the, the next frontier. Yes. Yes. And, uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that because, um, well, one, this is the reason why you're joining this show is because a lot of listeners, Um, you know, fed up trying to figure out what to do. Obviously, we've been dealing with the pandemic, which is also putting uh, mental strain on almost every single person. Um, And so yeah, people just want to help themselves and and just not know how. And so this sounds like a really cool avenue to approach for wellness, because I'm all about wellness in every aspect of ourselves and our body and our health. And so I think people listening learn that it's not just one thing, it's a holistic approach. And so the fact that you're going into kind of the brain health, which would improve our mental health, that's super cool. Um, So if somebody, okay, say you're treating somebody like anxiety is a big one. I know I myself have it. Um, I read that you, you had it at one point, you were experimenting on yourself. So let's say if somebody that has anxiety um, were to see you, how would that work? Yeah. So anxiety can, and and all of these different mental health conditions can show up in a lot of different ways in each unique person's brain. So 
So that's why it's so important that we start with that QEEG uh, brain mapping assessment where we're taking a look at the electrical activity of your brain and then kind of pairing it with what you're reporting. So say anxiety, it can show up in, in different ways in different people's brains, but a common uh, what we call a signature for anxiety is usually an excessive production of beta of really fast, frequent, high frequency beta brain waves, specifically down the midline of the brain um, in an area called the, the cingulate. So oftentimes when we when we see that uh, with with the brain mapping assessment, then we use we can use technologies such as neurofeedback, neurostimulation, or a couple other ones to basically quiet down those those high frequency beta waves. Help induce more of a, a really relaxed kind of parasympathetic response, uh, where we're deactivating that fight or flight, um, where people are kind of always kind of on edge, thinking, worrying about things, and really, really boosting their parasympathetic nervous system, which tells you, you know, everything is okay. I can rest, relax. You know, nothing is nothing is threatening my safety, and. You know, we, we oftentimes get stuck in our society today in that kind of chronic stress response, that kind of chronic fight or flight, where there's always something that that is demanding our attention and so much stuff going on that, that we sort of get stuck in that in that state of anxiety. So with these technologies, we can really help train people's brains to, to start getting into those relaxed states, producing more slower brain, uh, brain waves such as alpha and theta, uh, which is an even slower brainwave. And those really, really help to, to put people into kind of a deeply meditative, uh, relaxed kind of trance-like state. And the more we do those sessions, because of the brain's neuroplasticity, its ability to change and rewire itself, the more we train the brain to, to be in that relaxed parasympathetic state, the better it becomes at, at doing so. So we can actually train people to, to their nervous system to be less reactive and less stressed and, and worry prone uh, compared to what they were used to. Yeah, that's okay. So that's um, very interesting. So it sounds like you take an electrical current to kind of alter. It's like, okay, there's too much stimulus or too much, as you were saying, the beta, correct? Mm -hmm. And so your approach to kind of help people tap into the parasympathetic system is take an electrical current to kind of balance that out. Is that correct? Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. So, so with like, say neurofeedback, we're not actually inputting any current to the brain. We're simply, we're simply telling the brain uh, how to best use its own resources. So mm. it's telling the brain, you know, good job. You're, you're producing the desired electrical frequencies or no, you know, go back to producing whatever we're, we're training you to do. Whereas neurostimulation is more so, um, kind of, uh, um, we actually are inputting something into the brain, which is, which is the electrical current, um, passing that between different electrodes and stimulating those, those slower brain waves. So in the same way that, you know, you could use, could use training wheels, you know, to, to help someone help a kid start to ride a bike and then they use those training wheels and then they're able to, to ride the bike on their own. That's sort of what, I sort of compare to with uh, neurostimulation where it's sort of guiding the brain into these different states. So in these cases into these more deeply relaxed kind of a parasympathetic state, and then eventually with enough repetition, with enough sessions, the brain becomes really good at producing those, those lower frequencies on its own and doesn't have the, the need to necessarily continue a, uh, continue to get more and more, uh, neurostimulation done. People can continue with it, but, but oftentimes people see really great improvements in their, their symptoms after five to 10 sessions. Mm, okay. Cause that was going to be my next question. Um, so a lot of people, like with the work that I do, um, I do a lot of, you know, getting people into their parasympathetic system. Um, I do manual therapy, but I also do a lot of breathing and movement and all with neuroscience approach of calming the system down. And there's a lot of variations, modalities out there where a lot of the focus is tapping into the parasympathetic system. Um, and again, each it resonates with a different person. How would you 
compare what you're doing as far as you said five to how many sessions you people are able I, to do? Yeah, five to ten, we start oh. seeing really significant changes in the, the electrical data of a person's brain. Okay. And so with people that are experiencing that, how does it feel to even go through a session? Mm-hmm. What does it even feel like? Yeah. So so neurostimulation, it it kind of feels like Well, basically, after we've done the initial assessment, we'll put together a protocol that's designed to to stimulate more of those desired brain waves that we're seeing maybe aren't produced in sufficient quantities in the brain map. So we place anywhere between two to six electrodes at various parts of the scalp, uh, depending on which areas of the brain that we're working uh, on uh, stimulating. And then... When we start up the, the stimulation, people usually feel kind of a, a mild tingling sensation. So sometimes people describe it as like an itch or mm. some people actually really enjoy it. They say it feels like a scalp massage. Nice. So, so people, it's a completely passive process. Neuro, uh, neurofeedback, people have to actively be kind of playing this this game and and consciously be working to, to try to get those tones louder and, and the... the uh, screen bigger, but with neurostimulation, it's a completely passive approach. So when I run sessions on people, they can be reading a book, they can fall asleep if they want to, they can watch a movie. It doesn't really matter. Uh, those, their, their brain is getting the, the stimulation. Um, and it's a very low intensity stimulation. So sometimes when I bring up neurostimulation, people's first thought is, like ECT, you know, the one flew over the cuckoo's nest, the, yeah. the sort of shocking shock yeah. therapy, right? Right. And That's why I was asking, how was this? Yeah. I think yeah. probably a lot of people in the back of their mind are like, um, yeah. Not sure. No, they, they do. Like uh, when I do uh, orientations talking about this technology, oftentimes before I even start, <laughs> people joke, like, are you, are you going to shock my brain? Is this, is this shock therapy? And I'm like, no, 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 this is, it, it basically it comes down to the difference being the dosage. So mm-hmm. the common the commonality is that they're both using electricity to stimulate the brain, but shock therapy is using somewhere upwards of I believe like 500 to 600 milliamps of electricity. Oh. Whereas this low intensity neurostimulation I'm talking about, most of the research is done somewhere between 1.5 to 2 milliamps of electricity. That yeah. is kind of the sweet spot that re- uh, researchers have found produces the most benefits with minimizing uh, a lot of the side effects. So it's it's drastically different dosages of electricity that you're getting and the goal here is not to, to shock the brain into kind of resetting itself. It's more so to entrain the brain, to gently entrain the brain to produce different quantities of these different electrical rhythms. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes, um, we, yeah, shocking the brain is kind of uh, doesn't really make sense if you want to go in that parasympathetic system. <laughs> so, yeah, that's not really going to work. Um, but I, I, like when you describe it, it makes it like training a puppy, right? You just, uh, gentle, you know, get enough, uh, response or stimulus to kind of coax it along. Um, at least that's, that's kind of what I'm envisioning when you talk about your, you know, the stimulation that you're providing. Yeah. And the, the stimulation does, does a lot of really helpful things for the brain. So it, it'll increase blood flow to the brain, which improves oxygenation, nutrient delivery, um, also increases neurogenesis, which is the creation of new brain cells and new connections amongst those cells. So in addition to, to altering the electrical rhythms, you're also getting these added benefits of the better blood flow and oxygenation um, and neuro, uh, neurogenesis going on. So it's, it's kind of really working on the brain in, in a variety of different mechanisms. Mm, nice. Yeah. So it's like more added, added benefit than just uh retraining the brain to, uh, get out of anxiety. Very exactly. Cool. Nice. So, okay. When someone comes in, this is all in person, this technology is all in person or is anything you do online? With what I do, it's all in person. Mm-hmm. Now there are starting to be some remote neurofeedback done. Um, but for the most part, uh, people do need to come in in person. Yeah. 
Okay. And then if they come in in person, how long is a session? Yeah. So, so the initial, like say brain map, which is what we always start people out with just to get that assessment of what's going on that usually will take up to an hour, um, just to get a couple good recordings and set someone up with the cap and then actually doing a session that either is involving neurofeedback or neurostimulation usually runs somewhere between 20 to 40 minutes. That's kind of also a, a sweet spot where we want to give the brain enough of a workout where it is, is really pushed to start changing and improving its electrical rhythms, but we don't want to kind of overload the brain in the same way that, you know, if you, you went to the gym for three hours and, and lifted super heavy weights that, you know, that could cause kind of more damage than it actually might benefit you kind of that overtraining. Uh, it's kind of a bit similar, I guess, with the brain, where you can definitely, you can make someone really exhausted if you, if you do this sort of brain training for too long. So, so usually between 20 to 40 minutes is, is a good sweet spot. Okay. That makes sense. Kind of like, a you know, building up, right. Building momentum, especially if the brain is not used to training that way, I would imagine like anything else, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And people oftentimes will notice, you know, significant, like after the first session, they'll feel significantly more relaxed or they'll report the first that that night. Um, they'll have a great night of sleep better than they've had in, in months or years. And that's showing that, you know, the brain is, is already starting to make some of those changes, even though it, it usually takes several sessions to see real kind of long-term significant changes in the brain from the very first session that we do, people oftentimes will notice something starting to happen. Wow. I'm sure people out there, especially people that have dealt with like brain fog. I know uh, when COVID hit and a lot of uh, challenging times for people, that was kind of a symptom or, you know, the COVID fog is, is once I called it. Um, so I know people in general have that, but I think there's more with uh, what's been happening in the world. So I'm sure imagining just like to be able to think clearly and, and to sleep better after one session would be really amazing for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's, that's one of the things that's great about neurostimulation and that's why it's kind of in my eyes, kind of the, the, the technology that packs the most punch when it comes to training the brain, because neurofeedback sometimes practitioners will, you know, recommend a course of, you know, 20, 30, 40, sometimes even 60 sessions, depending on what condition or ailment that, that you're wanting to treat. And if people have the patience and money and resources to put into doing that, you know, great, but being able to actually see really immediate results, you know, from the first session and see real long lasting changes from, you know, five to 10 sessions is, is, you know, I think really draws people to, to neurostimulation. Oh yeah. It's the passionate health advocate dance break. Now get up and shake your thing. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know most people want an immediate fix, but that is not how life works because we're human. We're not robots. Um, but to have something that doesn't take so long and to see, you know, more long lasting. And when you say long lasting, what have you noticed after people have gone through treatments? How long are they benefiting um, from this change? Yeah. So there's been lots of research conducted and, and, usually follow up, um, follow up changes, even after, uh, as long as a year, people's brain activity is, is usually pretty similar to what's recorded right after they finish the training. So barring any real significant, uh, you know, say, say you get hit in the head with a baseball the next day, or you're sleeping for two hours a night and eating tons of junk food and garbage, you know, it's, it's not going to work as well um, to sort of sustain those changes. It's not, this stuff is not a panacea for, 
your brain health. It's, it's simply a tool in the toolkit and some of those other tools being, you know, nutrition, exercise, sleep, uh, nootropics, smart drugs, all of these things play a role in, in impacting our cognition. So, you know, if someone does this brain training and thinks, okay, I guess, you know, my, my brain's good and I can just, you know, do, do a bunch of other brain, not, uh, habits that are not brain healthy, then they might lose some of the, the benefits. For sure. And thanks for saying that because I'm like, that's like that with anything. So yeah, it's kind of like, why would you go and do this and then abuse it afterwards? I mean, we all have our vices and stuff like that, but it's just, yeah, setting the expectation that with this tool, this tool that you love and you're finding great results, uh, why not support it with the, you know, if you're going through that and you want to change, there's things to do, not just know that it's like a one trick pony. It works in conjunction with everything else that we're doing with ourselves. Exactly. And that's, that's why I usually implement uh, like neurohealth coaching is one of the services that I offer to people. So we work with, you know, improving their, their nutrition, uh, helping people get a lot more good fats uh, in their diet. Fats are such an essential uh, component uh, that is often neglected, but when it comes to the brain, um, fat, the brain's actually made up mostly of fat um, the myelin sheaths that, that insulate neurons are these fatty sheaths that, that require good fat to, to maintain functioning. So yeah, making sure that we integrate that stuff, um, helping people do, do certain exercise that's going to be really beneficial to their brain. Um, all of this stuff, working with people to, to help them really get on this sort of brain healthy lifestyle. Often it, it, they're, they're, it's very synergistic and it actually gets people better results while they're doing the, the brain training, doing neurofeedback or neurostimulation, because a lot of these, these different, these other things can also increase neuroplasticity, increasing the brain's ability to change, reorganize itself, rewire itself. So if you can boost neuroplasticity, say by, uh, doing intermittent fasting or by doing uh, sprint training is a great way to boost neuroplasticity. And then you pair it with a technology like neurostimulation. I view, I view that as like a great synergy. You're just, you're just stacking the, the cards, you're stacking the deck in your favor. Nice. That's yeah. It's like the optimal way. It's like, it's not just getting this treatment, but then the support and the fact that you know, you're, you're thinking about that and providing that for people, I think is great. Cause I, I think, you know, a lot of people will try things or, you know, like a new fad or, you know, maybe it's not even like, we're not trying to do a new fad. It's like, there's new research found. So now we want to try something. And I think a lot of people will, you know, go online and try it because they're trying to help themselves. Um, but then understanding that they're going to support with it. And maybe there's some information that they're not aware about. And it's like, how can they conduct this change? with the right support. And I'm glad that you're providing that for people on that journey there. That's good. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, you know, a lot, I'm not sure if people are aware of that. There's a lot of fat in the brain when you talk about fats, cause you know, people, I think there was one period in time where people just weren't eating any fats, you know, like that was the gimmick for, for diet, which I, you know, of course is ridiculous. So do you have, um, certain types of food that you recommend just off the cuff Absolutely. for people listening? Yeah, I would definitely say all the focusing on good oils, such as olive oil, coconut oil, um, eating, you know, uh, grass-fed butter, uh, grass-fed meat. Those are all great fat sources. Um, avocados, that's another great brain-healthy food. Dark chocolate. Chocolate provides some great fats as long as you're not getting all the, the sugar and, and milk fat that, you know, sometimes come with it. So I definitely recommend like 80 to 90% dark chocolate. That's a great nice. brain booster. So yeah, just, just, eating. I'm happy you said that because <laughs> my partner's huge into avocados and I'm huge into dark chocolate. So we there already are like recovered. <laughs> Covering your bases. There We're you go. Covering our bases. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So I'm sure people listening like, oh, cool. I don't have to feel guilty about this. Of course, in moderation, but knowing that it's actually necessary for our diet, right? At least for our brain health diet, for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. What, what you alluded to is like certainly how it was for, for decades where it was kind of sugar or, or rather fats were, were demonized. So then we started 
seeing all of these kind of processed, you know, cereals and bread and pasta became sort of the, the mainstays of our diet, but that was simply because of kind of false, uh, faulty nutritional advice and certain money that was shifting hands that, you know, I think that's a whole nother discussion, but, but yeah. <laughs> it is. we could probably go on about that, but yeah, yeah, fat was very unfairly demonized. And it's something that, you know, we, we do know certain types of fat, like trans fat is terrible for you. It's banned in most products and stuff, but, but eating good, healthy, saturated fat is essential um, for, for your overall health, but specifically brain health. Another uh, important thing about fat is that it provides a lot of cholesterol, which is another thing that's been oftentimes demonized, but cholesterol is actually the building block of all of your, your hormones. So producing healthy amounts of testosterone, estrogen, uh, DHEA, pregnenolone, all of these, these, they're actually neuroactive. They actually are, they're called neuroactive steroids, meaning they, they influence brain activity. So if you're not eating enough good fat and getting all that cholesterol, you're, you're not giving your brain the building blocks that it actually needs to sort of manufacture all of these hormones. Mm. So glad you mentioned that too, because, you know, we talk about water, uh, water is our body needs it, but not enough is talked about what does our brain need. And again, um, you know, exercise also goes with that. And it sounds like you're also talking about it. So just understanding that it's, it's what's to feed the engine, right? Get our brain going. So, you know, after you're done with this episode, you don't want to go back and eat like a stick of butter, but it's just more of like, how do you apply that into your diet and know that all of these things exist to help us just understanding the moderation and we don't need to cut it out. Right. In terms of what you do need to cut out though, I would say sugar is such a bad mm. one for, for just, I mean, it's toxic to every cell in our body, but specifically brain cells like do not like excess sugar and so much so that even uh, some, some researchers are starting to refer to Alzheimer's as type three diabetes because there's such a strong really? connection. There's such a strong connection between elevated glucose levels for prolonged periods of time and the, the neurodegenerative effects that we're seeing in, in Alzheimer's. So yeah, it's it short term. It's, it's causing oftentimes like there's, there's been studies about like, uh, ADHD, like cutting out sugar can drastically improve ADHD in kids. So there's the short-term impacts, but then also long-term cumulative effects that, that occur from eating excessive amounts of sugar. So that's, that's definitely one, the, the number one thing, uh, to, to cut out of your diet for sure, for redder brain health, I would say. Yeah. Or at least, you know, lower it as much as lower possible. It. I mean, yeah. yes. I mean, going back to the whole body, I mean, that creates so much inflammation unnecessarily. So yes, but, um, going back to your work, cause this is super cool. Um, have you found any contraindications? Would there be somebody, let's say they're interested in working with you, but you're like, Oh, you know, they might be dealing with a situation or a specific disorder? Is there anything where you're like, this is not appropriate for someone? That's a great question. Um, for neurostimulation specifically is the one technology they have to be a bit careful about if someone has a history of epilepsy, if they have a history of seizures, or if they have any heart conditions, because um, the heart also kind of runs on run, you know, electricity. So, so doing this neurostimulation very rarely has caused sort of adverse effects in those couple populations. So if someone does have one of those conditions, then we might use a technology like neurofeedback or say brain photobiomodulation, which is actually working on the mitochondria of the brain, uh, boosting uh, blood flow and mitochondrial activity by actually shining light uh, either through the nose intranasally or transcranially, transcranially, uh, through, through kind of the, the, uh, through the head. So there's some different technologies that we might use instead of neurostimulation in, in those couple, uh, patient populations, I'd say, but overall the, the technology neurostimulation has great safety. Um, there's a meta-analysis done in 2019 that was looking at 
I believe it was like hundreds of studies using this, this type of neurostimulation. And they found very few to no, you know, serious adverse events. So it is a very safe technology, but in those couple cases, then, you know, just, just to be, to be cautious, we might put someone on, on a different technology if they have a history of seizures or heart issues. Okay. So that's good. So you have ways to adapt. If there's, you know, someone's dealing with some issues, you can still kind of work around and, and help them out. sounds like. Exactly. Great. Okay. Well, so for people listening or watching, um, what is a way that they can get a hold of you if they want more information or want to work with you? Yeah. So you can DM me on Instagram, uh, at Roscoe's wetsuit neuro. You can uh, go to our website, Roscoe's wetsuit neuro.com. And there's uh, there's gonna be a special landing page. People can go to Roscoe's wetsuit neuro.com slash passionate health advocate. And there'll be a special uh, promo code that people can find uh, that'll get them 15% off their first neuro health coaching session if they choose to do so. There's also a complimentary uh, 15 minute uh, phone consultation that I offer just to inform people about what neuro health coaching consists of. And if people sign up for our newsletter on uh, the, on the website, Roscoe's wetsuit neuro.com, you can actually receive a, a uh, free uh, six steps to better cognitive performance PDF. That'll give you six actionable things that you can do today that will actually start uh, improving the health of your brain. So you can, uh, you can connect with me in those ways. And yeah, I, I would say that's the best way to, to go forward. Great. And we're going to, we're going to go ahead and have that, all that information that you mentioned on the show notes. So for people that are only listening, you'll be able to find that on the show notes. Um, and for people watching, you can also check in on the show notes for the audio. Um, so Toby, thanks so much. And I have to ask you before we go, um, how did you come up with the name of your company? Yeah, it's kind of obscure, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm like intrigued. Yeah. So that's, that was actually part of the thinking behind it was like, this is going to make for a good icebreaker. So, <laughs> of course, uh, it's a closer for us. Closer yeah. for us. Right, right. Um, yeah. Everyone asks me. So, so yeah, nothing to do with surfing. Um, uh, I, I originally titled my podcast. It was just Roscoe's wetsuit podcast. And it was like, people were all confused, <laughs> like that. It, it This is a neuroscience show. They're like, they think it's surfing or yeah, something that's to do with funny. that. But yeah, basically the name is, is a reference to, I don't know if you're familiar with the artist Childish Gambino. He's also the actor, Donald Glover. Oh, okay. Yes. 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 Yeah. So, <laughs> so I love him. He, he had a, an album called because the internet, uh, and there was a screenplay that went along with the album and in the screenplay, there's this theme of, of Roscoe's wetsuit. So the main character comes across the words Roscoe's wetsuit you know, just like graffitied under a bridge, uh, you know, just pops up in random places throughout the screenplay. And he's wondering like, what, what does this mean? Eventually at the end, he finds a kid who's scribbling Roscoe's wetsuit on a napkin, like in a cafe. So he, he approaches the kid. He's like, finally, I'm going to get to figure out what this means. And he asks the kid, uh, what's, what is Roscoe's wetsuit? And the kid's reply is, I don't know. I just saw it online. So, so, oh so my God. Roscoe's wetsuit and in, in essence, it, it means nothing, but it means everything in the sense that it's, it's sort of a metaphor. I feel like for just a commentary on our, our culture of just kind of following trends and whatever we see online. And I guess the title is also somewhat ironic since I hope I hoped with my podcast and with my business to, to deviate from that sort of herd mentality of just following whatever is popular. So I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was catchy and a little bit cryptic. So gets people thinking and yeah. I, lo I love it. I love it. I think that's, that's awesome. I love it. It's like, Oh, pff, right. Where are we going with this? Ironically, right. We're, we're trying to, uh, change the narrative and we're using Instagram and we're, we're using podcasts and we're using YouTube. So it's like, well, at least maybe we can be in a world where people are doing that. And maybe we can like open up the minds and really think, you know, the whole point of this is to give information to treat people to 
think for themselves, what will work for themselves, listen to themselves. And that's the whole point of this show is uh, taking this information. How does it apply to you? So, oh, Roscoe's Roscoe's wetsuit. That's that's really cool. Yeah. So I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, yeah. and that's a great way that you explained it for for your show. And and I feel like I should start using that because it's like what I feel like what I'm doing with with the podcast and with the neurotechnologies, like helping to increase people's uh, uh, cognition so that they can think for themselves and show up in the world in in their best unique way and bring bring their unique gifts to the world. So I I think it it applies. Uh, yeah, it's such uh, that that philosophy. What you were just saying is so applicable in the work that I do as well. I agree, and this is why I have you on the show because um, I think we all know that there's so many things out there. We're just trying to help people out, and and I definitely relate to people that expert guests where they're just doing amazing stuff. People don't know about them. They don't know uh, the great things that can evolve with your treatments. And, and just, you are thinking out of the box, but you're also putting your intention into, you believe in this service, this technology, this route, and, and a lot can come from it, you know? So it's like getting that out there, getting that out to the world. And, um, yeah, we're all just doing the best we can and and we're helping people along the way. And that's the hope. So the people that need to hear it or see this, hopefully they're watching and can get this information and work with you. That would be great. Um, once again, you're in Oregon, right? You said you're in Eugene. I'm in Oregon for now, but okay. the business Roscoe's wetsuit neuro is actually incorporated in Florida and I'm moving all my operation to, to Miami. I'm going to be moving there in a couple months. So I will actually be servicing the Miami Fort Lauderdale area, um, for people who want to do this in these in-person services to, to get a brain map. Um, look at the electrical activity of your brain to do neurofeedback, neurostimulation. Um, I will actually be doing uh, either I'll come to your door or your uh, your office and actually set you up with this stuff um, since I won't have a lab or center set up at first. So in the same way that you might uh, you know hire a massage therapist or you know they they have I don't know all these these IV vitamin bands in Miami where I started getting the idea where it's like, you know, people that are too hung over to get out of bed, you just call up one of these, <laughs> these vans and they, they come into your, your place. They set you up with all your, you know, from the comfort of your own home. So I was like, why maybe that would work with, with doing this sort of uh, applied neurotechnology. So yeah, uh, for the people in, in Miami and Fort Lauderdale, uh, you can, you can, uh, start doing those services, uh, most likely in uh, November of this year, November of 2021, I will uh, be starting to offer those services there. Excellent. Okay. So you'll be in that area, but it sounds like you'll be mobile. So yes. that that's very cool. And do you see you're heading there? Is there anybody else, any other, anybody else doing this or for people that can't get to that area, what do you recommend for them? Great question. I, I would say, so Neurofeedback is going to be a lot more common right now to find the neurostimulation. Um, so if people live in, you know, a, a major metropolitan area, really, really most cities at this point, you know, you can find a psychologist or psychiatrist, uh, sometimes a neurologist to work with, um, uh, to do neurofeedback. Um, I would say I would recommend for people who are interested in doing any of this neuromodulation, uh, either neurofeedback, neurostimulation, that they look for a couple credentials. So I'm, I'm board certified in neurofeedback and in uh, the QEEG brain mapping. So if you find someone uh, with the, uh, the, uh, the credentials of BCN, that stands for board certification in neurofeedback, and then uh, QEEG dash D a QEEG diplomat is the board certification in the brain mapping. So it's super essential. I think, you know, when, when it comes to like it, you know, if you're going to work on your car, you know, you want to make sure you take it to a mechanic who, who has the training and experience and expertise. You don't, you know, you don't want just any random person working on your car. So in the same way, if you're going to have work done on your brain, 
I would recommend that, that you try to find someone with those, those couple credentials. So you make sure that, that they really know, know what they're doing. Mm, very important. I'm so happy you said that because, uh, Yes. I'm not sure everyone can reach you, but they're probably like, wow, I really want to check this out. So thank you for guiding them into a safe way to, to do that search. And for anybody um, that's not in this country, do you know what's happening outside of the U S as far uh, as other, would you say researchers or practitioners? A lot of the, the research on neurostimulation is actually coming out of Europe. They're, they're, way ahead of us in terms of that, that research. So I'm not exactly sure what, what actually goes on, um, in those other countries, as far as this applied neuroscience stuff, I probably should educate myself more on, on what's actually happening in the world, um, with this stuff. I'm, I'm, it's a great question and one that I can't provide you a real solid answer on. But if, if people, you know, Google say neurofeedback or neurostimulation, and wherever they live in the world, you know, you can definitely see if, if there's any practitioners around you who, who use it. Cool. Okay. No, that's good advice. Right. And we're always, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're digging deep into what you're doing and it's nice to expand out and think about that, but in general, yes, the world is changing and there are some really cool things that are happening. And this neurotechnology is definitely uh, one avenue that I know a lot of people aren't aware of. And I'm happy that you're kind of a pioneer in this and that you took the time to show us around uh, this world. And uh, yeah, I'll be eager to see uh, what people tend to do with it, you know, and, and get that little tickle in their head if they want to start making some changes. People may not. People may not have, have heard of this stuff too much right now, but I mean, I may be a little biased because I obviously work in the field, but I truly think in the next like five to 10 years, we're going to see this stuff exploding. You know, you see a, a gym on every corner, you know, and, and working out our physical bodies, people know, and, and eating healthy, we know the importance of that. So I really think that this is the next frontier where brain health and applied neuroscience. This is, this is going to be coming to the masses. Yeah. So thank you for giving us kind of like a, a preview into this uh, new realm. I have, I have a feeling you might be correct. I mean, it just seems like the way technology is going, um, it'll be nice that it can help us along the way as we adjust to all these changes. So Toby, thank you so much for taking us here. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Denise, it was a pleasure to be on the show and thank you so much. I had a great time. Thanks for joining the Passionate Health Advocate Show with your host, Denise DeShetler. Like what you hear? Then subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.